You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Chris And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports here live on this Tuesday, October the 18th here on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Eat These Guys Know Sports. Also go on YouTube, subscribe to the Wise Guys Sports Podcast. It's your boy Trey Larkins bringing all the latest in sports news. Another action jam-packed show tonight on the Wise Guys Show. NFL Week 6 is behind us. I'm going to recap NFL Week 6 tonight. I'm going to talk about the L.A. Chargers beating the Denver Broncos 19-16 on Monday Night Football. Also, I'm going to talk about Josh Allen getting the best of Patrick Mahomes as the Buffalo Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs 24-20 to Sunday afternoon in Kansas City. Also, tonight, the NBA season is officially back in action. It's opening night in the NBA. We got the Sixers tonight in Boston taking on the reigning, defending Eastern Conference champion Boston Celtics. And then tonight, it's ring night in the Bay as we got the L.A. Lakers taking on Steph Curry's Warriors. The NBA season is officially back. I'm going to preview the NBA season, give my expectations for this season, and give everyone my NBA MVP and discuss my predictions for who wins the East and the Western Conference and who's going to be playing in the NBA Finals. So we're going to get into all that. But call into the show, 513-203-8655 is the number to dial, 513-203-8655. You want to talk about your team tonight? Call in. We got the Bengals. They did beat the Saints Sunday in New Orleans. But I have to begin as the New York Jets, they beat the Green Bay Packers 27 to 10. And I want to read the headline that was in the Green Bay Gazette. This was Monday morning in the Green Bay Gazette. It says Matt LaFleur offense and the Green Bay Packers are now in crisis mode. So Aaron Rodgers, he has some interesting comments in the immediate aftermath of the Packers 27 to 10 loss to the New York Jets. Now, Matt LaFleur, he responded to Aaron Rodgers' comments on Monday in his press conference. Communication from top down and then out on the field. Uh, you know, it's got to be better. We got to get everybody on the same page. And then to me, it's it's more about digging at the details of what we're doing. A couple keynotes before I get into this, this game and unleash about the Packers. This was a 15-game home win streak snap, and the Packers dropped their second straight game. For Aaron Rodgers, he's had seven straight games with less than 275 passing yards. 
That's tied for the longest streak of his career. And the 17-point loss is tied for the second largest home loss in Aaron Rodgers' career. That includes the playoffs. So let me be very, very clear about how I feel right now about the Green Bay Packers. And I want to look dead into this camera so everyone can know my feelings right now about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers right now are a garbage football team. I'm going to say it again so everybody can know how disgusted I am right now with the Green Bay Packers as a lifelong Packers fan. The Green Bay Packers, they are an awful football team, and I'm watching the game last week. This is Sunday afternoon game. This is fresh off a loss. You just got beat down in London, a game in which you gave up a 14-point lead, a 10-point halftime lead to the New York Giants and Daniel Jones. That's who came back on the Green Bay Packers last week in London. And in this game, the Green Bay Packers offensively for the game, they had 278 total yards, 218 passing yards. Aaron Rodgers didn't even have 275 passing yards. That's seven straight games where he's had less than 275 passing yards. That's tied for the longest streak of his career. The offensive line, they can't block for Aaron Rodgers. The Jets, they sat there in Rodgers in this game four times. The entire offensive line, they should be ashamed to show their faces in the city of Green Bay this week. They should be ashamed to show their faces in the city of Green Bay this week. That's how bad that Packers offensive line was. The Packers offense was awful. The offense was awful. And for whatever reason, Matt LaFleur continues to go away from the running game because Matt LaFleur believes that we still have Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams is no longer in Green Bay. When you trade away a star receiver like Devontae Adams, you have to change up your philosophy. And for whatever reason, Matt LaFleur has not changed up his philosophy. Let's look at Aaron Rodgers on passes of 10-plus yards or more. In 2021, he completed 51% of his passes, 10 yards or more. That was his completion percentage, 51%. This season is 48%. His pass yards per game of passes over 10 yards last year was 118. This season is 57 yards. His touchdown to interception ratio on passes of 10 yards or more is 14 to 3. That was last year. This year is 3 to 3. Those are Aaron Rodgers' passes of 10 yards or more. Let's talk about some of his statistics, shall we? Total QBR, NFL ranks. Aaron Rodgers ranked 24th in the NFL. Yards per attempt, Aaron Rodgers. Ranked 22nd in the NFL. Team points per game, Aaron Rodgers is ranked 24th in the NFL. This Packers offense is awful. And they continue to drop Aaron Rodgers back to throw the ball 
40 plus times as if they have Greg Jennings, Jermichael Finley, Jordy Nelson. This ain't that same Packers team that we've had in previous years. The number one receiver on the Green Bay Packers right now is Alan Lazard. That tells you everything you need to know when it comes to the Green Bay Packers and where their receiving core currently is. They depending on old Randall Cobb to be a consistent option for Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball to. The Packers are a garbage football team right now. I have to come on here and say it. I've been defending the Packers all season long. But right now, at 3-3, three and three, they got one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Matt LaFleur, we got to see if Matt LaFleur can coach. I'm not sure Matt LaFleur can actually coach. What I do know is, even though Matt LaFleur, over the last three years, is 39-10, and 10, that was with Devontae Adams as his star receiver. Now, Matt LaFleur doesn't have the luxury to line Devontae Adams up and just throw the Devontae Adams the football and make something out of nothing. He doesn't have that luxury anymore. So we're going to find out if Matt LaFleur can actually coach or was he just depending on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams' greatness? Now, Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't get to be absolved because he's the main reason why Devontae Adams is currently in Las Vegas. The reason why Aaron Rodgers is struggling this season and a bottom-tier quarterback is because his star receiver decided to go to Las Vegas because Aaron Rodgers is so indecisive. That's the main reason why Devontae Adams is right now in Las Vegas, because Aaron Rodgers had an issue every offseason with committing to the Green Bay Packers. So Devontae Adams said, why would I be in Green Bay and have to deal with Aaron Rodgers' indecisiveness and I can go to Las Vegas and play with my friend in Derek Carr, who I know is going to be around for the next 10 years. Give me 10 years with Derek Carr instead of maybe two years with Aaron Rodgers. I never doubted Devontae Adams or condemned him for his decision to go to Las Vegas because the problem was Aaron Rodgers is such a diva. The Packers organization for the last three years, they have had to coddle Aaron Rodgers and baby Aaron Rodgers. So they forgot about Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams is thinking, I'm a part of the reason why this dude just won back-to-back -back NFL MVPs. Aaron Rodgers, two years ago, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Last season, 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's because of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers as well. But the Packers organization didn't give Devontae Adams the appreciation that he deserved. And that's why the Packers sit here at 3-3. Three and three. They have been awful. I look at this game. I'm watching the game. The Jets offensively, 
They didn't do much. 14 total first downs. One of 11 on third down. Only had 99 passing yards. And you blow out the Packers at Lambeau? And I ain't taking nothing away from the Jets. I love what Salah is doing with the New York Jets right now. I really, really do. Wilson is managing the game for that Jets offense. Brees Hall had a tremendous game, 20 carries, 116 rushing yards, one touchdown. And then defensively, they got Sauce Gardner. The Jets probably are going to have the offensive and defensive rookies of the year in Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner. This Jets team is for real. But the Green Bay Packers are terrible. Let's talk about the defense and Joe Barry. This was going into the game Sunday in Green Bay. This is the Packers defense before week six against the Jets. Completion percentage allowed. 73 completion percentage, which is ranked last in the NFL. Passer rating allowed. 100.2. That's ranked 24th in the NFL. Third down percentage, 30.2. That's ranked 29th in the NFL. They got four total takeaways. That's ranked 26th in the NFL. Joe Barry and that defense, they don't get to be absolved. That defense has been horrendous. They have allowed Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson to look like elite quarterbacks and back-to-back weeks. They got the personnel to be an elite defense. Up front, you got Kenny Clark. You got Quay Walker. You got Rasul Douglas. You got Jair Alexander, one of the best young cornerbacks in the NFL. You got Eric Stokes on the other side. And then your secondary, at safety, you got Savage and Amos. Why is this Packers defense so bad? They're one of the worst teams in the NFL at stopping the run. You can literally run on the Green Bay Packers. And that's what happened in this game. The Jets punched the Packers in the mouth, especially on defense. The Jets were sensational on defense. But the Packers on defense, even though in the first half they did shut out the Jets, for the first six games of the year, the Packers defense has been awful. It's been awful because the Packers defense actually has the personnel to be a top 10 defense in the NFL. So that Packers defense got punched in the mouth by that Jets offense. For the game, the Jets only had 278 total yards, but they had 180 rushing yards in this game. So offensively, the Jets, they punched the Packers defense in the mouth, and that Jets defensive line dominated the Packers offensive line. Josh Myers, Royce Newman, David Battiari, John Runyon, they should be ashamed to show their faces in the city of Green Bay this week. The line of scrimmage in this game was dominated by the New York Jets. And after the game, Vegas got this spread wrong. After watching the game, Vegas got this spread wrong coming into the game. The Packers were the team that was favored by seven and a half points. It should have been the New York Jets. These are two teams going in completely opposite directions. So I ain't too happy right now. I am disgusted 
with the Green Bay Packers, and they are a garbage football team until further notice. Aaron Rodgers getting paid all that money. I, I'm hearing people talk about, well, the Packers need to run the football more with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And that is true because in this, even in this game, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones combined to have 19 rush attempts. Aaron Rodgers dropped back to pass 41 times. That is not the recipe for the Packers to be a contender. You don't have good skill players. You got Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, when he does finally get on the field, Randall Cobb, who's past his prime. You don't have great skill players. Why in the hell is Aaron Rodgers dropping back to pass 41 times in a game? It should be closer to what the Jets are doing with Zach Wilson. I don't give a damn that Aaron Rodgers is getting paid $50 million this year. As a Packers fan, I want to win games. I want to win arguments with my family and friends when I got to talk about the Packers and the Bengals. And I can't do it if we got Aaron Rodgers dropping back the pass 41 times in a game. 41 times for Aaron Rodgers? Only 19 rush attempts for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon against the New York Giants in London in that game. Aaron Rodgers, 39 pass attempts. I don't give a damn he's getting paid $50 million. You need to run the football and establish a rushing attack with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, Matt LaFleur. Quit running this offense like you still got Devontae Adams. We have to be like the San Francisco 49ers. Take a page out of Kyle Shanahan's book. Run the football and set up the pass through the running game. We are not the same Packers this season than what we have been in previous years. When is Matt LaFleur going to understand this? When is Aaron Rodgers going to understand this? He's right about simplifying the offense instead of having 200 plays, dumb it down to 100 plays. Make it easy for those Packers receivers to understand blocking concepts, formations, and different routes when you do have to throw the ball in the passing game. Help out your young receivers like Romeo Dobbs, like Christian Watson, like Amari Rodgers. Clearly, they don't understand the offense and the offense is suffering because of they don't have weapons. Another thing, the Packers organization. I got to call the Packers organization now. Russ Ball, Brian Gutekus. When the hell are y'all going to make a move in free agency? I've been hearing for years, Antonio Brown possibly could be a Packer. Julio Jones possibly could be a Packer. Odell Beckham Jr. possibly could be a Packer. When is the Packers organization going to go out on a limb and bring in a free agent at receiver that can help Aaron Rodgers in the passing game? Brian Gutekunst, the general manager for the Green Bay Packers, I'm calling you out tonight on Wise Guys. Make a move in free agency. Right before I came on the show, I saw the Baltimore Ravens. They went and got Deshaun Jackson. 
Deshaun Jackson should be in Green Bay, not Baltimore. But because the Packers organization wants to build through the draft and be conservative and not aggressive, now we sit here six games through the season, three and three. We know good and damn well when the Packers started the season, they didn't have an elite receiving core. We knew it to start the season. So why in the hell are the Packers management, why are they so conservative and not being aggressive in the trading market or for free agents? Odell Beckham Jr. is out there. I know Odell is recovering from ACL injury that he suffered in the Super Bowl. But damn it, Odell, in December, he'll be ready to step right in and help the Packers offense. And on this Packers team, he'll be the number one receiver immediately. Immediately, when Odell steps foot in Lambeau Field, he will be the number one receiver on the depth chart. I'm so disgusted with the Packers organization. Oh, everybody. Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekus, Russ Ball, Mark Murphy. I'm disgusted with the Packers organization tonight. I am. I'm a, let's go to break. I'll I come back. I'll come back. I'll be back. But I, I, I had to get that off my chest because I'm, I'm just, I'm, 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 at, I'm at my breaking point. I'm at my breaking point with this team. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Remember, you can call into the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Let's talk about your team, whoever that may be, how you feel about your team so far this season. It's NBA opening night as well. NBA on TNT. I know right now, the Sixers and the Celtics are playing in Boston. Let's get a live check-in. Sixers lead the Celtics 19 to 17. But then tonight on TNT, we got LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Lakers in Golden State to take on the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors reigning in NBA MVP Steph Curry and the Warriors. They're going to receive their rings tonight. So the ring ceremony is going to take place at Chase Center tonight in San Francisco. So I know Warriors fans are looking forward to that. Let's transition and talk about the matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. As the Bills, they beat the Chiefs 24-20 to in Kansas City. On Sunday afternoon for Kansas City, it's their first regular season home loss since week five last season against, guess who, the Buffalo Bills. They had previously won eight straight. For the Bills, Josh Allen, he went 27 of 40. He threw for 329 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Stephon Diggs, he had 10 receptions. 148 receiving yards, one touchdown. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 25 of 40, 338 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Juju Smith-Schuster had the best game of his career since he's been in Kansas City. He had five receptions, 113 
receiving yards, one touchdown. So I watched this game start to finish Sunday on CBS. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, they were on the call. And I love Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I think Tony Romo does a great job calling games for CBS. And I, I like listening to Tony Romo. And it's funny because the start of this game, Tony Romo predicted that the score would be 24 to 20. And that was the exact score in the game. So shout out to Tony Romo. He got the exact score in this game. So shout out to Tony Romo on, on that. He, he predicted the right score and he was dead on. It was 24-20 by the Bills. But my reaction to this game is the greatness of Josh Allen. Josh Allen outperformed Patrick Mahomes. And coming into this game, Patrick Mahomes was my NFL MVP because I thought the performance that Patrick Mahomes had against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week four in Tampa, I thought that that solidified him to be the NFL MVP through the first four or five weeks of the season. I thought Patrick Mahomes, the first five weeks was sensational. In week one, they put up 44 against the Arizona Cardinals. Week two, they put up 27 against the LA Chargers. And then in week four, against an elite Buccaneers defense, Patrick Mahomes scored 41, moved up and down the field. So I thought Patrick Mahomes heading into week six was the NFL MVP, but Josh Allen, he put on a sensational performance in this game. 27 to 40, 329 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And so far for the season, Josh Allen, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,980 pass, passing yards. His passer rating is 109.1. He's completed 67% of his passes. I believe Josh Allen now is in the driver's seat to win NFL MVP. Now, we still got a long way to go. But when you have these type of matchups, Bills, Chiefs, in prime time on CBS, and we got two quarterbacks who are in the MVP conversation. After the game, your takeaway can be whichever quarterback outperforms the other quarterback, they should leapfrog that other quarterback in the MVP conversation. And I thought in this game, Josh Allen leapfrogged Patrick Mahomes in the NFL MVP conversation because Patrick Mahomes had two bad interceptions. The interception that he threw deep in the red zone when the Chiefs were about to score was an uncharacteristic interception for Patrick Mahomes. And then on the last possession, when the Chiefs had an opportunity to score a touchdown and win the game, Patrick Mahomes threw an uncharacteristic interception, and that sealed the game for the Buffalo Bills. I expected Patrick Mahomes to march the Chiefs down the field, and I thought that the final score was going to be 27-24 Chiefs over the Bills, and it didn't work out that way. We saw last year in the division around playoff game, Josh Allen, he gave the Bills a lead over the Chiefs, a three-point lead, and in 13 seconds, Patrick Mahomes 
He marched the Chiefs down the field, and they got right into field goal range. Kicked the field goal, tied the game up, and they went on to win that game in overtime, 42-36. to So I thought that Josh Allen had gave Patrick Mahomes way too much time left on the clock. I said, man, the Bills? They gave the Chiefs too much time. Mahomes has too much time. And Mahomes, uncharacteristic throws an interception. That's just not how he plays, and he normally protects the football. But when it comes to Josh Allen, I want to give Josh Allen a lot of credit because in his last three matchups against the Kansas City Chiefs, Josh Allen has been sensational. This is the last three meetings, including the playoffs. Josh Allen against the Chiefs, he averages 324 total yards per game. He has 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. His passer rating is 129.6. His rush yards per game is 53.0, and he has one rushing touchdown. That's Josh Allen and his dominance over the Kansas City Chiefs in the last three meetings, and this includes the playoffs. So in the last three meetings, Josh Allen has performed at a high level for the Buffalo Bills. Last year, even though the Chiefs beat the Bills, my biggest takeaway from that game was how great Josh Allen played. I thought last year, Josh Allen, even though they lost the game, Josh Allen was sensational last year in that playoff game. I think he went like 27 of 37. He had over 300 passing yards, four touchdowns. He was sensational in that playoff game last year. He followed that up in this game with a three-touchdown performance, over 300 passing yards again. So Josh Allen is not as good as Patrick Mahomes is. I want to be very, very clear about that because coming into this game, there were talks about how this is a rivalry. And I and I do believe that this is the new Peyton Manning, Tom Brady rivalry in the NFL. But Josh Allen hasn't accomplished the things that Patrick Mahomes has accomplished. I mean, Patrick Mahomes already has an NFL MVP on his resume. He went to back-to-back Super Bowls. He won Super Bowl MVP. And he's been to four consecutive AFC Championship games. Patrick Mahomes is in a league of his own. And I believe Patrick Mahomes is in the same conversation as Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers when it comes to legends at quarterback. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is already a legend at the quarterback position. Josh Allen isn't on that level yet. But in this game, he outperformed Patrick Mahomes. And so Josh Allen, he has to possibly put himself in the MVP conversation, win an NFL MVP, lead the Buffalo Bills to a Super Bowl, maybe even win a Super Bowl. And then we can talk about him being in the same conversation as Patrick Mahomes, but that doesn't take away from his performance in this game. Also, I thought the biggest difference in the game was Von Miller's impact. I thought that was what won the game for the Buffalo Bills. This was Von Miller Sunday. He had 14 pressures. His press percentage was 32.6. And the Bills defense, they got to Patrick Mahomes three times. Three times. That's This is the Von Miller impact. I think the Bills signing Von Miller was an underrated signing. Von Miller 
He knows how to win in January. We saw Von Miller win a Super Bowl for Peyton Manning in Denver, and Von Miller was the Super Bowl MVP. And then last year, Von Miller helped Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and the L.A. Rams win a Super Bowl. Von Miller, I believe, was the X factor in the Bills' win over the Chiefs Sunday in Kansas City. Mahomes was pressured all afternoon. That Bills defense had 14 pressures. Their press percentage was 32.6, and they sacked Patrick Mahomes three times. And I said coming into the game that the Bills defense, led by defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, is better than the Chiefs defense is. Their defense is led by Steve Spagnola. I don't believe in that Chiefs defense. I think they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NFL. But I like this, this Bills defense. I really, really do. They got Von Miller. They got Poyer in the secondary. They're going to get back Tredavious White at some point this season. I like that Bills defense. And I said that they had the advantage when it comes to the comparison between the defenses. But you look at this game and look at the, the, the box score. The Bills, they had 26 first downs. The Chiefs had 23 first downs. Both teams went 4 of 11 on third down. The Bills had 318 passing yards. The Chiefs had 319 passing yards. The Bills, they had 31 time of possession. And the Chiefs had 26 minutes time of possession. So this was an evenly matched game. The difference in the game was Josh Allen didn't turn the ball over like Patrick Mahomes did. That was the biggest difference in the game. These two teams could possibly meet later on in the season in January in a more meaningful game. But one thing I want to say, too, because coming into this game, all I heard last week was about how the AFC is going to be ran through Kansas City and Buffalo. Let's not disrespect the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens, the L.A. Chargers. There are other teams in the AFC that has a lot to say about who's going to win the AFC. Let's not just pretend like the Bills and the Chiefs are locked into the Super Bowl. We, we, we got last year, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, no one expected the Cincinnati Bengals to roll into Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming. You damn sure didn't see it coming when the Bengals were trailing on the scoreboard at the half. So the Bengals, they were the surprise team last year in the postseason that made noise. So this year, let's not disrespect some of these other teams. I'm seeing a lot of Chiefs and Bills fans talking like one of their two teams is going to be in the Super Bowl. And, and, and I do understand why the Bills feel like in order to reach their goals, they have to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I get it. Because over the last few years, the Chiefs, they have eliminated the Bills in the postseason. So I get why Patrick, why Josh Allen and Sean McDermott and that Buffalo Bills team, they want to prioritize beating the Kansas City Chiefs. But don't forget about those other teams in the AFC. When the Miami Dolphins get to a back and he's healthy, the Dolphins, they are a team that is a contender in the AFC. Don't forget at one point in the season, 
the Dolphins did beat the Bills in week three, 21-19 in Miami. They were 3-0 at one point this season. The Bengals, they're coming along. They just beat the Saints in New Orleans Sunday afternoon. So the Bengals are now at 500. They're 3-3. Three and three. The Ravens had a letdown performance against the New York Giants, but the Giants are for real. So that's not even a bad loss for the Ravens. But the, the, the Ravens always find a way to lose games and lose leagues. But they're 3-3 three and three too. Chargers, they're 4-2 and two on the season. Let's not just pencil the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills into the Super Bowl. There's plenty of competition in the AFC. What I will say is this. Coming into the season, remember we talked about how the AFC West is loaded. The Broncos got Russell Wilson. The Raiders got Carr. They got Devontae Adams. They got Chandler Jones. The Chargers got Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Ekelar. The AFC West is loaded. We can officially put to bed who's the best team in the AFC West. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. Despite losing on Sunday, the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC West. The Raiders, they are awful. They're 1-4 on the season. As NFL fans, we were lucky to not have to see the Las Vegas Raiders in week six. They're 1-4. The Broncos, I'm going to talk about them here in a bit, but they are awful offensively. Russell Wilson looks to be overpaid and overhyped. So the Broncos, they're not living up to expectations. And the Chargers last night, even though they did beat the Broncos, they weren't impressive in that victory. And the Chiefs already beat the Chargers in week two. So let's put to bed this AFC West division, having so much parity. The Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the AFC West now and for the remaining of the season. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter, Wise Guys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out of the break, I'm going to go to my Wise or Lies segment of the day. Some interesting things I'm going to talk about in the Wise or Lies segment. So be sure to tune in. Be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here on this Tuesday, October the 18th. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Real quick, I want to give an update on the MLB playoffs as the New York Yankees. They beat the Cleveland Guardians 5-1. to one. In New York, the Yankees win the series three games to two, so they advance 
to the AL Championship Series against the Houston Astros. And a live update right now in San Diego as the Padres are playing the Philadelphia Phillies. They are in the bottom of the first. It's one on, one out in San Diego. Padres are up to bat. So that's our final four. Phillies, Padres, Yankees, Astros in the MLB. I love the MLB playoffs. I'm not a big fan of baseball in the regular season. I'll go to a game. Going to a game is exciting. It's always fun to go to a game, but I'm not a fan of regular season baseball. It's boring, especially on TV. I I just cannot get into baseball on TV. But in the playoffs, I'm locked in. I love the MLB playoffs. They right there up with the NBA playoffs and March Madness in the NFL playoffs. I love the MLB playoffs. It's intense. We get great pitching matchups. And you got to have great pitching to advance in the postseason in the MLB. You got to have some great pitching. You want to be a world champion, you got to have some great pitching. Let's give a live update also to the matchup in Boston. The Sixers lead the Celtics 35 to 33. A little over nine minutes left in the second quarter in that game. And then tonight, Lakers at Warriors. Ring night for the Warriors. NBA on TNT. I love the NBA on TNT. Ernie Johnson, Kenny the Jet Smith, Charles Barkley, who, by the way, just got a big-time contract from Turner Sports to remain on their network. Shaq, obviously always on NBA on TNT. Got to love NBA on TNT. I, I, I believe at some point, The NBA needs to allow NBA on TNT to host the NBA Finals. I love the NBA on ABC as well, but we need to have the NBA Finals hosted on TNT at some point. Imagine having Ernie Johnson, Kenny the Jet Smith, Charles Barkley, and Shaq at the halftime break of NBA Finals games. I would love it. Let's get to our wise or lies segment of the day milwaukee bucks forward chris middleton is expected to miss the first few weeks of this regular season while continuing to rehab from off-season wrist surgery sources told the athletics shams middleton said at media day that he did not expect to play in thursday's season opener against the philadelphia 76ers so is it wiser lies to say the bucks will struggle in the absence of Chris Middleton to start the season. I think that is wise because the Bucks need Chris Middleton in order to be a true NBA championship contender. Last season, Chris Middleton, he averaged 20 points per game on 44% shooting from the floor. Giannis is the best player on the Bucks, but Chris Middleton is the closer for the Milwaukee Bucks. In money time, in the fourth quarter, the Milwaukee Bucks, they give the ball to Chris Middleton in key moments. So I believe Chris Middleton is important for the Bucks to be contenders in the Eastern Conference. So I think the Bucks will struggle to start the season without Chris Middleton. Giannis is a top three player right now in the NBA, but in key moments, 
Chris Middleton is the closer for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think it's safe to say that they will struggle the first few weeks of the season until Chris Middleton returns back to the lineup. Rookie backup Bailey Zappi threw for 309 passing yards and two touchdowns in his third NFL game. Bill Belichick tied George Hallis for second on the all-time list with his 324th victory. And the New England Patriots buried the Cleveland Browns 38-15 to on Sunday. So is it wise or last to say the Patriots have a quarterback competition once Mac Jones is healthy in New England? I think that is wise because I don't believe in Mac. Jones last year in his rookie season, Mac Jones, he had 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 3,801 passing yards. He completed 63% of his passes, but he did make the Pro Bowl. I'm not a believer in Mac Jones like that. Like it's other quarterbacks in the AFC alone that I would take over Mac Jones. Tua, give me two attacking my level over Mac Jones. Give me Justin Herbert over Mac Jones. Give me Joe Burrow over Mac Jones. Give me, I ain't even going to talk about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's so many quarterbacks I would take above Mac Jones. I can't believe I'm saying it. Yes, I believe that Bill Belichick should have a healthy quarterback competition with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. I never looked at Mac Jones as being a franchise quarterback. I think he's a game manager at best. And he's not the kind of quarterback you can build your team around. He's not the kind of quarterback that you win because of. You win in spite of Mac Jones. I know last year he had 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, but I don't think he has the ability to be an elite quarterback. So, you know, if Zappi is is playing well and the Patriots are winning games, it should be a competition in New England. Not saying that Mac Jones is a horrible quarterback, but he's expendable. To me, Malcolm Brogdon is slated to be a key piece for the Boston Celtics this season, but the guard recently revealed he had the option to land with another team, and that is the Toronto Raptors. Toronto and Boston popped up, Brogdon said in an interview with Sirius XM's NBA radio this week per Mass Live's Brian Robb. This is Brogdon, quote, we had a choice to pursue. There wasn't an offer on the table yet from either team, but the Pacers came to me and said we could pursue either of them, and which one would I rather them pursue? I chose Boston. So is it wise or last to say the Celtics are closer to being championship contenders than the Toronto Raptors? That is wise. We just witnessed last year the Boston Celtics reached the NBA Finals. They did lose to Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, but they did reach the NBA Finals, and we've seen Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown emerge as being a top 10 duo in the NBA, arguably top five. Last year, don't forget, Tatum and Brown, they sent Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant home in the first round of the playoffs last year. They beat Giannis in the second round. Now, that Bucks team wasn't healthy. They didn't have Chris Middleton, but they did beat Giannis. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, it took them seven games, but they finally beat Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. So, yes, this Boston Celtics team, they are closer to being championship contenders than the Toronto Raptors are. The Toronto Raptors right now, I don't believe they're championship contenders. 
I like Barnes. I like Siakam. But they're not championship contenders in the Eastern Conference right now. They're a playoff team, but they're not championship contenders. It's levels to it. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. Coming after break, I'm going to talk about the NFC East battle in Philly. I'll be back. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Just on the Wiser Live segment of the day. Let's transition to the matchup that took place Sunday night in Philadelphia as the Philadelphia Eagles, they beat the Dallas Cowboys 26 to 16. The loss drops the Cowboys to four and two on the season. The Eagles, they improved to six and oh, heading into their bye week. For the Cowboys, Cooper Rush, he went 18 of 38. He had 181 passing yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. For the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, he went 15 of 25. He threw for 155 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And A.J. Brown had five receptions for 67 receiving yards, one touchdown for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I thought watching this game that this would be a game where we would say that the Dallas Cowboys would need Dak Prescott in order to compete with the upper echelon of teams in the NFC. And I thought that was just what happened in this game. Cooper Rush coming into this matchup, he, for his career, Cooper Rush was 5-0 and for his career. And this was his first career loss. But in this game, the Philadelphia Eagles, they showed Cooper Rush why he is a backup in the NFL and why the Dallas Cowboys, if they want to be true Super Bowl contenders, they need Dak Prescott healthy in the lineup. Let's get something out of the way real quick before I, before I really, really dive into the Philadelphia Eagles. I want to I wanna get this out the way and get this off my chest. Can we please put to bed this quarterback competition that we've created in our minds? Because we love suspense. I've been hearing so many people talk about how, oh my God, the Dallas Cowboys, they have a quarterback competition with Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. And Prescott, he might be fighting for his job when he returns back from his thumb injury. And I've been telling everyone 
who's had that idea in their mind that we have a quarterback competition in Dallas. Please shut the hell up. Please shut the hell up. We got to stop this because a backup quarterback finds a way to win four or five games that we just all of a sudden forget how great Dak Prescott has been so far in his career. This is Dak Prescott in his career. 143 touchdowns, 51 interceptions, 22,217 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes. And Dak Prescott, he's not elite like Patrick Mahomes, like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, like Justin Herbert, like Joe Burrow. That's not who Dak Prescott is. But Dak Prescott is a quarterback who you can win with in the NFL and you can win a Super Bowl with at your position. You can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. For his career, he won NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2016. He's been to two Pro Bowls in his career. Let's stop acting like there was a quarterback competition in Dallas because Cooper Rush went on a four-game winning streak for the Dallas Cowboys. That's ridiculous. And it's disrespectful to Dak Prescott. So let, 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 we got to stop this, man. I, I, it bothers me when I be when I was listening to all the noise. Like this, honestly, the Eagles beating the Cowboys, that was the best thing that could have possibly happened for Dak Prescott. Because if the Cowboys would have found a way to miraculously beat the Eagles, we would have heard from people saying that, Maybe Dak Prescott isn't the answer as their franchise quarterback for future seasons to come. Maybe it's Cooper Rush. Knock it off. Knock it off. Cooper Rush had a few good games. And in one of those games where they beat the Rams, Cooper Rush, he didn't even have 110 passing yards in that game. He only had like 102 passing yards in that game. And I'm not taking nothing away from Cooper Rush. Like, I, I think Cooper Rush has done an outstanding job as a backup for the Dallas Cowboys. He did a great job last year. I think it was against the Minnesota Vikings when Dak Prescott had to miss a game last year. Cooper Rush did a great job stepping in for Dak. Again, his career record now is 5-1. and one. But to say that, he, that the Cowboys are a better football team with Cooper Rush than they are with Dak Prescott, it's ridiculous. And you need to be drug tested if you believe that. Like, if somebody call in here tonight and say, that Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott or the Cowboys have a quarterback competition, I'd probably hang up the phone. I probably would hang up the phone on whoever that caller is. It's, it's ridiculous. And, I, and again, I, I just don't like when we disrespect the work that these starting quarterbacks put in week in and week out, and all of a sudden when the backup steps in and wins a few games, you're ready to hand over the reins of the football team to that backup. I just think it's crazy. But I thought – in this game, that the Dallas Cowboys defensively, they didn't have an answer for that Philadelphia Eagles offense. And this is the one thing I want to give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit for and Jalen Hurts. That Philadelphia Eagles offense, they play complementary football. For the game, the Eagles, they had 268 total yards of offense. They had 136 rushing yards, 132 passing yards. If that isn't balanced. I don't know what is. Like, this Eagles offense is so 
balanced because they can run the football with Jalen Hurts, with Miles Sanders, but they also can throw the ball to their weapons in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. In a tight end, they got Dallas Goddard as well, a nice tight end who you can rely on in the passing game. I love the Philadelphia Eagles offense right now. They're playing at a very, very high level heading into their bye week. I cannot say enough about the job that Nick Sirianni has done leading this Philadelphia Eagles team. Last year, they snuck into the playoffs as a seventh seed in the NFC. I didn't expect the Eagles to make the playoffs last year, and they snuck in the playoffs. And this year, through the first six games of the season, they are 6-0, and and right now they are the favorites in the NFC. Man, the Eagles are playing some great football. They really, really are. And like Nick Sirianni, I had my questions about him when the Eagles hired him as their head coach. I thought the Eagles made a mistake firing Doug Peterson. I didn't think Doug Peterson deserved to be fired. But Howie Roseman and that Philadelphia Eagles organization, they know what they are doing. I give them a lot of credit because I didn't think Sirianni would be a good NFL head coach. And he's been sensational in his young head coaching career. So I want to give a lot of credit to the Philadelphia Eagles as a football team. Jalen Hurts is, is, is an early NFL MVP candidate for the season, Jalen Hurts. He only got six touchdowns, two interceptions, 1,514 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes. But Jalen Hurts, he's doing what Sirianni is allowing him to do in this Eagles offense for it to function at a high level. He's not trying to go out there and throw the ball over 40 times for the Eagles. He's running the football effectively and handing the ball off to Miles Sanders and Scott, and he picks his spots in the game where he throws the ball. I love it. I love how Jalen Hurts, he's the quarterback, so obviously he's you know, making the plays and helping them in their formations, but I love how he devised the football around because it's not all about Jalen Hurts. He's not trying to drop back the pass over 40 times in a game. The Eagles, they know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. They're playing complimentary football. They had, for the game, 38 rush attempts between Sanders, Hurts, Gainwell, and Scott. 38 rush attempts. So Jalen Hurts had 25 passing attempts on the night. So this offense knows who they are, and they are true to their identity. They don't try to go above who they are. They know what type of team that they have. But see, I love the Eagles because they also have the weapons, Brown, Smith. So those are two dynamic receivers who Jalen Hurts can rely on in the passing game. Defensively, I thought the Philadelphia Eagles were sensational because they were able to force Cooper Rush into throwing interceptions. That's one thing that Cooper Rush, he has done in these starts for the Cowboys. He's done a great job at protecting the football. But in this game, he threw three interceptions. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he had two interceptions. Darius Slay, he had one interception. I think Darius Slay is playing some great football this season. I remember that one Monday night game, Vikings at Eagles. Darius Slay, I think he picked off Kirk Cousins a few times in that game. Completely shut down 
Justin Jefferson. And I thought Slade did a great job in this game, even against CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb in this game had five receptions, 68 receiving yards. But anytime you can hold a receiver like CeeDee Lamb under 100 yards receiving, I would say that that defense did a great job. So I love this, this Eagles team, the way they're playing right now. Defensively, they still got Fletcher Cox up front. They got Brandon Graham, a nice pass rusher on that defense. At linebacker, you got TJ Edwards, Hassan Reddick. In your secondary, you got Darius Slade. You got CJ Gardner-Johnson. You got Marcus Epps. So this Eagles defense and offense, they're playing some great football right now. When I look at the Eagles, even though right now they are the favorites in the NFC, I do believe that the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Rams, the 49ers, these teams that are 3-3, three and three, it's four teams right now in the NFC who are 3-3. Three and three. That's the Bucs, Packers, Rams, 49ers. I believe all four of those teams believe in January they can beat the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. Yes, the Eagles are the favorites right now in the NFC, and they are the best team right now in the NFC. They are playing the best football right now in the NFC. Packers, they have been, they've been terrible. Tom Brady, he has a lot of off-the-field issues that he's dealing with currently, and it's leading to on-the-field issues with the Buccaneers. The Rams, they have no running game to speak of whatsoever. And the 49ers got Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. So it's a lot of issues with the other contenders right now in the NFC. No, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings because Kirk Cousins has to prove to me that he can win in primetime. I haven't seen it happen yet. In week two against the Eagles, Kirk Cousins, he folded like a cheap tent. He was awful in that game. So I have to see Kirk Cousins perform at a high level in primetime before I believe the Minnesota Vikings are true contenders in the NFC. The Giants, they're playing some great football. I love how Brian Dayball has the Giants playing right now. But I think the Eagles are better than the Giants are right now. So some of these other teams in the NFC, the 49ers, the Bucks, Rams, Packers, in the playoffs, they're not going to be scared of the Philadelphia Eagles because the Eagles are an inexperienced football team. That's the thing. They they don't they haven't had the experience like the Rams, like the Buccaneers, like the Packers have had in the playoffs. They haven't had that experience yet. The playoffs is a different level of football. You got preseason speed, you got regular season speed, and you got playoff speed. The Eagles, they played, they were in the playoffs last year, but they lost in the first round. And we know in the playoffs, each round that you advance, the intensity it amps up each round of the playoffs in the postseason. So I like the way the Eagles are playing. But I believe that they are a team in the playoffs that other teams could possibly beat. Again, Cowboys, they were playing with house money going into this game. Cooper Rush was 4-0 as a starter going into this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. So in the absence of Dak Prescott, when Dak Prescott got hurt week one against the Buccaneers, I said that the Cowboys would be out of playoff contention by the time Dak Prescott returns to the field. 
And not only have the Dallas Cowboys went four and one in his absence, they have established an elite defense led by Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence up front. Now, only pro- only thing though in this game, Micah Parsons, he 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 didn't have a great game. He only had one pressure. He had an NFL high 26 pressures and six sacks in the first five games of the season. In this matchup, he only had one pressure. So shout out to that Eagles offensive line. They did a great job protecting Jalen Hurts. But I thought that after this game, we would see that the Philadelphia Eagles, in order for them to be true Super Bowl contenders, they need Dak Prescott back at the helm. And this game showed it. But they were playing with house money. They were playing with house money. 4-0 in the absence of Dak Prescott. So you're playing with house money in the NFC East battle in Philadelphia in week six. Get Dak Prescott back for the Lions this week. A winnable game at home. And the Cowboys can get back on the right track. Also, I thought the running game for the Cowboys was a big part of their offense. And them because in this game, at one point, the Eagles they were up over the Cowboys at the half 20 to 3. They were up 20 to 3. This game was on the verge of being a blowout. But give offensive coordinator Kellen Moore and that Cowboys offense some credit because they established a running game in this game. 134. Rushing yards between Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott is doing a great job as a backup running back so far this season. The Cowboys, they're on the right track with Dak returning back to the field. Great matchup in the NFC East between two playoff teams in the NFC. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. I'll be back, and we're going to talk about the Monday night matchup in L.A. between the Chargers and Broncos. We'll be right back. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. Tracy Larkins. These guys know sports. These guys know. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at wiseguys underscore h also on facebook wise guys remember to follow wise guys on instagram with these guys no sports i want to give a live check in to the sixers celtics game in boston it's tied at 63 apiece right now for the sixers and b got 11 points three of seven shooting from the floor james harden has showed up to the party. 22 points, 5 of 9 shooting from the floor, 4 of 7 from three-point range. For the Celtics, Jalen Brown, he got 18 points, and Tatum got 16 points. So, nice matchup right now in Boston 
between the Sixers and the Celtics. About to have a caller calling to Wise Guys, Brian Snow. I was excited about that matchup because Sixers, they trying to prove that they're contenders in the East. Celtics trying to prove that last year wasn't a fluke when they got to the NBA Finals. So this is a nice matchup on opening night for the NBA and for the other teams in the Eastern Conference to get a good look at how good the Sixers are with Embiid, with Harden, and how the Celtics are without Ime Udoka. You know, Ime Udoka suspended for the season. So it's Musula now as the head coach with the Boston Celtics this year. Is that going to affect the Boston Celtics and their chances at getting back to the NBA Finals? Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. He's a host on the Snowman in the Morning show. want to welcome to the Wise Guys show tonight, Brian Snow. What's up, big bro? What's going on, little bro? How you doing? Pretty good. How you doing tonight? Tired, but I'm doing good. For sure, man, for sure. So, Brian, let's get to some NFL. And I want to talk about your 49ers because they had a letdown. See, it's that molded cheese you were talking about earlier <laughs> in the program. <laughs> but uh, let's let's talk about your, your 49ers, man. They, they had won two straight. They rolled into Atlanta. Yep. And they and we got and we got run over. They got run over. They Stay they they were quick. trailing 14-0, and then they came back, tied the score up mm-hmm. at 14, and then they allowed the Falcons to score 14 unanswered points. What happened to your 49ers on Sunday? We got run over. Period. We we the one o'clock curse is real, but I don't blame anything on curses. But we unlike your Packers, we got a built-in excuse. We've been thoroughly beat up. Okay. And from what I heard today, the return of Trent Williams and Nick Bosa is very, very real going into a, what's going to be a big, big game against Kansas City on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that's going to be a big game because, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, they fresh off a loss against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills Sunday and in Kansas Chiefs City. Can, and the Chiefs can be had. They can. They definitely can. They they do their the defense Chiefs, is awful. The Chiefs can be had. There's something I'm going to say to you that you ain't gonna like, but you're gonna laugh at the same time. A prognosticator that we're both familiar with actually picked the Brooklyn mess or Nets to come out of the East. And I say, ha 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't I haven't gotten to my NBA segment yet, Brian. But I will tell you this: well, Why not? I, I, that's that's going to be my last segment of the night, previewing the NBA season. I just, but I just did. No, I know, I know. But I'm gonna, I will tell you this: I do have the Brooklyn Nets as a top five seed in the East. I, do you, ah! you, you don't think they're a top five seed in the East? Come on, now they're they're in top five word, seed. In two words, hell no. Are they a playoff team to you? I'll answer that question in April. Brian, you know there's no way in hell that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is going to miss the playoffs. That's not going to happen, Brian. You know that, and, and I know they're that. Gonna miss the play, and they're going to miss the playoffs because of Kyrie Irving. See, I think this year Kyrie Irving is actually going to play in majority of the games. Kyrie wants a no. big contract, Brian. Kyrie wants to get paid. He wants to get paid. He wants a big Kyrie contract. should have been paid. Agreed. Kyrie should have should have been paid, 
here's the problem. Kyrie should have been at work. That's a fact. That's a fact. I agree. We know best ability is availability. We know that. Yep. I, I agree. But I, I just think this year, Kyrie Irving, he saw other players like Bradley Beal get paid, and Kyrie wants some of that money. So Kyrie knows in order for Kyrie him Kyrie hasn't to earned be, any of that money. But Kyrie's talent alone is something that he can, you know, put it, lay his hat on and say, hey, I deserve to be paid top dollar as well. It's all about availability. And, and if I were a GM, I'd laugh in his face. If Kyrie plays <laughs> in 65-plus games this year, I believe okay. Kyrie Irving could 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 let's, be a, let's play over let's play over under. You set the bar at sixty five. I say under. I, I say under. I say he would play sixty games, so I would say under too. But we'll go sixty games. <laughs> but, but, but for Kyrie, then shut up. For Kyrie Brian, that's a step in the right direction for him. No, it's not sixty games for Kyrie is a step in the right direction for him. For that brother, no, Listen, no. But, but but Brian, you're scheduled to play. Listen, I'm old and I'm old school, and yes, yep. I'm very much dating myself. <laughs> you, you're scheduled to play 82 games. You need to play 82 games. Good Greg of Vegas. I mean, what is with – okay, I'll put it in a general question. What is with some of these players in the NBA? And I'll circle it back around to what we were talking about. What was, what's with some of the players in the NFL? Yeah. Outside of, in, outside of injury, they don't want to play. That's Tom Brady. Yeah, but you know Tom Brady got a lot of he got a lot of off the field issues going on, Brian. Let's get let's give him a pass. He got he, he's a seven no. he's a seven time champion, Brian. You're so old school. You're old school, man. You're damn, you're damn, you're damn right, I'm old school because now because Tom Brady is only trying to copy what Joe Montana did. Dang it! So 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 you had an issue <laughs> with Tom Brady. You know he attended Robert Kraft's wedding on Friday in New York. You you, you know you know that right? He was there. Tom Brady yes, was there. So he missed I the know. walkthrough Saturday in Pittsburgh, and then the and Buccaneers they got beat. They did. And they got beat. They got beat down by Period. the Steelers. Something I didn't see yes. coming. I didn't see it coming. I'm like, what the hell was going I on did. in Pittsburgh? I couldn't believe it. You know why? You know why Tom Tom Brady? didn't take his leadership seriously. I know he's got a lot of off-the-field issues going on. I mean, good Lord, I got off-the-mic issues going on with my health. I understand. Yeah. But at the same time, you are a captain. And he ain't acting like one. Next question. But re that, Real quick, Brian. This is a seven... <laughs> yes. This this is a seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP winner. He has and three MVPs. Because... Hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, He got three MVPs <laughs> on his resume, Brian. If anybody so... deserves, if anybody deserves to miss practice and not have to show up, it's Tom Brady. He deserves to not have to show up on Wednesday's practices. You know, he, you know, Todd okay. Bowles said, right? Brady so... doesn't he have to be there. He doesn't have to be there on Wednesday's practices. He deserves it. So I'm going to pull a little Allen Iverson. And make you laugh at the same time and go, we're talking about practice. I'll say it again. And yes, I know his accolades, thanks to a tuck rule that shouldn't have been used in the first place. I agree with that. He is a captain. That's true. Okay. Agreed. Wednesday practice, Wednesday practice, and not and when all Todd Bowles is doing is finding a doggone excuse for why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got punched in the mouth. They did. 
I did, I could not believe it, Brian. I was looking looking at the scoreboard, and I'm like, how are the Steelers beating the Buccaneers? And that was with Kenny Pickett for majority of the game. He left the game with a concussion, and Trubisky yep. Trubisky stepped in, Brian, and it looked like Trubisky was a franchise quarterback. The way the Buccaneers defense made him look. Trubisky, Trubisky looked like Tom Brady the way the Buccaneers defense was playing. He did on that last Let's possession. On that last possession for the Steelers, I think the, mm-hmm. the the Steelers had like a third and sixteen. I might be wrong. They had like it was like a third. It was third and long. Trubisky mm-hmm. converted the third down, and I'm like third and long. You couldn't stop Trubisky. You don't deserve to win. You don't deserve to win. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. But I want I want in to, a nutshell. In a nutshell, but I want to get your opinion on this too because I want to ask you one more NBA question. But one more NFL, right. one more NFL question, real quick. The Philadelphia, right. the Philadelphia Eagles, six and zero on That's the season. Real next question. I got. Listen to me, six and zero. But I want to know. I want to know. We got three, well four. We got four, three and three teams in the NFC: Packers, Bucks, Rams, 49ers. Do you believe one of those four teams could roll into Philadelphia in Lincoln Financial Field in January and beat the Philadelphia Eagles? One of those four. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. And that team is the 49ers. It ain't just the 49ers, though. I I I, I take the 49ers out of it. I know you're a fan, and I respect the 49ers. I'm never gonna disrespect your 49ers. They have, they have broken my heart in the playoffs. Man, please, you, disres- you playfully have disrespected my 49ers every time they punched your Packers in the mouth. I just don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in Jimmy G. But 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 do oh, you-, you, you don't believe in Jimmy G, even given, even given the fact that on two occasions in Santa Clara, he lit the Packers up. It was that running game that lit up the Packers in the NFC Championship game, Brian. Stop it. Jimmy G threw eight pass attempts. Eight passes, which, which which made which made which made you hide your your head, and I mean this playfully, folks. Which made you hide your head like an ostrich because you couldn't believe that we beat you. Yeah, with Jimmy only throwing eight. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I agree. But 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 do you think that, like, if if in in a playoff game in January, do you, do you think? That Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or even Matthew Stafford, do you think they could possibly beat Jalen Hurts and the Eagles in Philadelphia? No to Brady, no to Stafford, no to Rodgers. Wow. No. Wow. No. So 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 do you think the Eagles and the 49ers are going to be in, in, in the NFC championship game? Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to NBA. Okay. It's ring night in Golden State tonight. Lakers and the Lakers are going to get obliterated. <laughs> okay, but what I, I want because I've been wanting to bring you on because I want to get your take on the Draymond Green yeah. altercation with Jordan Poole. How do you it feel happens, about that situation? They, it happens. They're moving on, and Draymond's going to get an extension. You think Draymond going to get an extension by the Warriors? Yes. Wow. See, I, I don't see it, Brian. The, the, Listen, you didn't see San Francisco beating Green Bay and Lambeau Field. But I'm a Packers Next. fan. I'm a Packers fan. Of course, I'm going. I'm gonna want my team to beat the Niners. I knew it was. A, I knew it was a possibility. You guys could have beat us. I didn't want the, the 49ers to beat the Cowboys the week before that. 
I was, I was, I was, I was, I was rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. I never thought one of my best friends and Trey Larkins would be rooting hard for the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Last year before the playoffs, Why? when the schedule, when the schedule was oh, announced, God. the, the Cowboys were the three seed, the Niners were the six seed. And I was praying yes. that Dak Prescott and the Cowboys could find a way to beat the Niners. I was praying. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to play the Niners in the playoffs. And that running game did what they were supposed to do. They socked the Cowboys in the mouth. They did. They definitely did. But but, but my take on the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole altercation, Brian was number one. Oh. Draymond Green was was wrong. He he was out. Of, he was he was and he admitted it. Sucked. And he did. He did. But I believe that someone in that Warriors organization. They leaked the tape of Draymond punching Jordan Poole. And I think the organization, they're not going to say this, of course. They're talking about they're doing an internal investigation to find out who leaked the tape. I think the organization leaked the tape purposely because they're trying to find a way to ease Draymond Green out the back door. I think this is Draymond Green's last year in Golden You're State. Nuts. Yes. Yeah, no, no. I think the Warriors have made a decision that they're going to prioritize Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. We just saw Wiggins and Poole get paid over the weekend. I think this is and going to Draymond be Draymond Green's last year. going to get paid by Christmas. I, I don't see it happening. If anything, I believe he's going to get traded Look, by Christmas. He's, listen, Draymond Green is the is one of the motors that stir the Warriors. He's a big part of that organization. He will get paid by San Francisco. Just watch. And, and and one thing too, though, Brian, I believe that in contract negotiations, the Warriors have all the leverage over Draymond Green. Because yeah, I don't, they do. yeah, because I don't believe Draymond Green's value is as high in the open market than it is with the Golden State Warriors. I think he's only going to get the max extension with the Warriors. No other organization is going to give Draymond and Green the money. To happily, and he's going to happily sign it. Just watch. We'll see, man. Let do, you want, do you really want, do you really, really, really want to see that team broken up after they just socked everybody in the mouth this past year when no one expected them to do anything? And I leave you with, and I leave you with this prediction, and I'm, I'm really going to make you steam, and I'll make you laugh at the same time. This is not just the first championship for Golden State in this iteration of their dynasty. As a matter of fact, as I've said on my show, Snowman in the Morning, this is the first of not only one and not only two, but three. Wow. Three. Okay. Okay. Three. You know what? I'm happy for Steph. Because Steph got that monkey off his back last year in the NBA Finals. He won his first Finals MVP. So now Steph can chill. Steph got two regular season MVPs. He got a finals MVP. He is the greatest shooter that God has ever created. Steph can chill now. I say Steph's about to get a third MVP. Possibly, man. Possibly. Let everybody know where they can find you. <laughs> Snowman in the morning, and I will be back tomorrow. Today, I was just, like, really out of sorts. But I'll be back tomorrow. Snowman in the morning with Cole Johnson, five days a week, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern time. You can find me on YouTube and Twitch. And also at officialsitmorn.com. Thanks for calling in, Brian. I appreciate it.
I appreciate you, brother. I love you. Thank you, man. Have a good one. We'll follow Snowman in the morning on all social media platforms. Get up in the morning and listen to Brian's show on YouTube and all social media platforms. Coming out the break, I'm talking about the Chargers beating the Broncos 19-16 on Monday Night Football. Chase Blockers, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore wh. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition and talk about the Monday Night Football matchup between the LA Chargers and Denver Broncos. It was an AFC West battle in LA. The Chargers beat the Broncos nineteen to sixteen for. The Broncos, Russell Wilson went 15 of 28. He threw for 188 passing yards, one touchdown. For the Chargers, Justin Herbert, he went 37 of 57. He threw for 238 passing yards, one interception in this game. couple key notes from this game. The Broncos have the second longest active role losing streak. In divisional games, that's nine. So only the Jacksonville Jaguars have more. They've lost 14 consecutive games on the road. And the Chargers, they are three and one in games decided by eight or fewer points. And so my reaction from this game was as bad as the Packers offense has been, the Denver Broncos offense has been just as awful. In the offseason, the Denver Broncos, they traded for Russell Wilson. They gave Russell Wilson a new contract extension, and Russell Wilson has been awful in the first six games of the season. They gave Russell Wilson a 165 guaranteed five-year contract to start the season. Russell Wilson is going to get paid $245 million in totalities in this contract. And so far this season, Russell Wilson has been terrible. Now you look at the game yesterday for the Denver Broncos. Russ, he started off the game hot. This is the first quarter. Wilson, he goes 10 for 10, 116 passing yards, 11.6 yards per attempt, one touchdown, zero interceptions. His passer rating was 148.3. That was in the first quarter. This is the rest of the game. He went 5 of 18 passing, 72 passing yards, 4.0 
yards per pass attempt. No touchdowns, no interceptions with a 43.8 passer rating. And in the second half in overtime, Wilson went 3 of 11 passing for 15 yards. It's safe to say that this Broncos offense is one of the worst offenses in the NFL and it's led by Russell Wilson. We had major, major expectations for Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense because Russell Wilson is perceived as an elite quarterback in the NFL. And the Broncos, they haven't had an elite quarterback since Peyton Manning. And through the first six games of the season, they still don't have an elite quarterback. And right now, they don't even have an average quarterback. For all the money that Russell Wilson is getting paid, the Broncos, they might as well kept Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. They thought bringing in Russell Wilson, pairing Russell Wilson up with the Jerry Judy, with a Cortland Sutton, they thought that the Broncos offense would take off and would be one of the premier offenses in the NFL, and that has not been the case. This is the Broncos offense so far this season. They're averaging 15 points per game. That's ranked dead last in the NFL. They have seven scrimmage touchdowns. That's tied for last in the NFL. Their third down percentage is 30.2. That's ranked 30th in the NFL. Their red zone touchdown percentage is 20%. That's ranked dead last in the NFL. They have an NFL high five games with fewer than 17 points. What the hell is going on with the Broncos offense? What's going on? I need answers. Russell Wilson was supposed to be the quarterback that got them over the hump. When I looked at the AFC West coming into the season, you got Justin Herbert with the Chargers, Mahomes with the Chiefs, Derek Carr with the Raiders. Russell Wilson was supposed to be the quarterback that got the Denver Broncos over the hump and into the Super Bowl contender conversation. And through the first six games of the season, Russell Wilson has been awful. I'm tired of hearing him go up to the press conference after games and say, let's ride. It's not riding right now for the Broncos fans. They're not riding right now on that Russell Wilson bus. They ain't feeling it right now on that Russell Wilson bus. And right now, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks organization, they look like they are geniuses. The job that Pete Carroll is doing right now with Geno Smith, the Seattle Seahawks right now, three and three on the season, they got a better record than the Denver Broncos. We had high expectations for Russ because Russ, he won an NFL Super Bowl. He went to back-to-back Super Bowls. He only had one losing season in Seattle. One losing season. And we had had expectations for Russell Wilson. We had high expectations for him. 
and he has not lived up to the hype. I don't know what the hell was going on with Nathaniel Hackett. Last night, the Denver Broncos, they had 10 total penalties for 151 yards. 10 penalties for 151 yards. That is on Nathaniel Hackett. He's in over his head. And right now, I'm not sure Nathaniel Hackett is going to make it through the season. He might get fired before the season is up. We thought that Nathaniel Hackett could handle being a head coach in the NFL. But clearly, his success was because he was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. We got to stop saying that these coordinators who transition into head coaches are going to be good head coaches because they're good coordinators. Some coaches are good coordinators. They're not good head coaches. Josh McDaniel is an example of a coordinator who should have stayed a coordinator in New England because Bill Belichick is the head coach and he has the responsibility being a leader of men. It's something that Josh McDaniels is in over his head in as well and Nathaniel Hackett. So we got to stop saying these coordinators can be head coaches because their offenses are being led by all-time great quarterbacks. Josh McDaniels had Tom Brady in New England for multiple years. Nathaniel Hackett had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for the last three seasons. Just because these coordinators have elite offenses doesn't mean that they are going to be elite head coaches. They got elite quarterbacks that are leading their offenses. And Nathaniel Hackett is in over his head right now. He's in over his head. And the Denver Broncos, offensively, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. And they got the personnel to be a dynamic offense. They got Jerry Judy. They got Cortland Sutton. In the backfield, Melvin Gordon isn't producing. He was benched last night. But they still got Latavius Murray. They still got Mike Boone. At receiver, they got K.J. Hamler as well. At tight end, they got Greg Dousers. Hard to pronounce his name. So, I, again, they have the personnel to be an average offense at least. But they've been one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And then last night in the overtime, on two straight possessions for the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett on first and second down, he called two straight running plays. It was almost as if the Broncos were playing not to lose instead of playing to win. You're paying Russell Wilson $245 million. You should be playing to win games, not playing to lose games. What the hell was going on here? I don't understand what the hell was going on with the Broncos. What I do know is defensively, they got a top 10 defense in the NFL. Just look at their defense. They're 
only giving up 16.5 points per game. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. They've only given up six scrimmage touchdowns. That's ranked first in the NFL. They only give up 290 yards per game. That's ranked third in the NFL. And yards per play, they only give up 4.5 yards per play. That's ranked second in the NFL. They have a top 10, arguably top five defense right now in the NFL. Up front, they got Baron Browning. They got Deshaun Williams, DJ Jones at linebacker. They got Alex Singleton in their secondary. They got Kareem Jackson, Pat Sertan, who I love. Kwan Williams. They're led by defensive coordinator Ejiro Evero. He's doing a great job leading this Broncos defense. So I know that Broncos defense, they're looking at Russell Wilson right now as being the problem for this football team and why they're not winning games. Let's talk about the L.A. Chargers real quick. Justin Herbert last night, he didn't have his starting center. He lost his left tackle. He didn't have Keenan Allen for the game. So I think the Chargers are going to get better as the season goes along. They're 4-2 on the season. They're 2-1 in the AFC West. I expect the Chargers to be better as the season goes along. They're home against the Seahawks in Week 7. That's a game they should win. And this is also, this, this was something I looked at which was interesting for Justin Herbert. This shows you how great the Broncos defense has been and how great it was last night. Justin Herbert had the most passing attempts without a touchdown and a win in NFL history. 57 pass attempts without a touchdown. That's Justin Herbert. Warren Moon in 1991 had 56 passing attempts. And Jameis Winston in 2018 had 52 pass attempts for the Buccaneers without scoring a touchdown. So I thought that was a testament to how great that Broncos defense was. But I think I expect the Chargers, as the season goes along, to get better. They're going to get back Keenan Allen. They're going to get back Corey Lindsley, their center. They got Austin Nicolau at running back. They got Williams at receiver, who I believe they need to get the ball to more in the offense. So I think the Chargers are going to be better as the season goes along. I thought defensively last night, the Chargers had a, a great performance. They sacked Russell Wilson four times, so they applied pressure on Russ. And I think their defense is going to get better as the season goes along. They got J.C. Jackson at DB. So far this season, he hasn't been very good, but he's going to get better. They got the Mac Daddy himself, Khalil Mack, on defense. They got Joey Bosa, who will return back to the lineup at some point. He's been out, but Bosa's going to come back at some point. So I like this Chargers team and I think they're going to be contending in the AFC. I think right now the Chiefs are the favorites in the AFC West but the Chargers are a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook Wise Guys and be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. Coming out the break I'm going to talk about the NBA for a few minutes before we get out of here. It's Wise Guys Sports on the World Wide Sports Network. I'll be right back. Wise Guys Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. Tracy Blockins. 
Chris. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore Wakes. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Give a live update to the matchup right now in Boston. The Celtics lead the 76ers 93 to 82. 224 left in the third quarter. For the Sixers, and B got 19 points, 10 rebounds. Harden, 31 points, 7 assists. For the Celtics, Jalen Brown, 22 points. Tatum, 31 points. So the Celtics playing great basketball on opening night. Don't forget tonight, ring night in Golden State. Lakers at Warriors, 10 o'clock on NBA on TNT. So looking forward to that matchup tonight. And let's talk about the NBA and my expectations for the NBA this season. So let's start off in the Western Conference. In the Western Conference, you got the Warriors, the reigning NBA defending champions returning back to the floor. They got Steph Curry coming back. This is Klay Thompson, two years removed from his terrible injury that he suffered. So Klay Thompson, I expect to be close to 100% as the season goes along this year. They just recently signed Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. They still got Kaminga. They still got Draymond Green. So this Warriors team will be the favorites in the Western Conference. They are coached by Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is one of the best coaches that we have in the NBA. And the Golden State Warriors organization overall is a top-tier organization in basketball. So the Warriors are going to be a top-five seed in the Western Conference. But I believe they're going to have a lot of competition this year in the West. I expect the L.A. Clippers to compete in the Western Conference. They're going to get back Kawhi Leonard. They got Paul George as well. They got John Wall, who is trying to revitalize his career. I love John Wall on this Clippers team. John Wall alongside Reggie Jackson, we seen in the playoffs a few years ago when Kawhi Leonard went down with his injury in the playoffs. In the Western Conference Finals, Reggie Jackson was balling for the Clippers. He is a reliable scoring option for this Clippers team. John Wall, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard is a solid fab four for that Clippers team. Kawhi Leonard is still a top five player when he's healthy. I'm going to say it again. When Kawhi Leonard is healthy, he's a top five player in the NBA. They got Tyron Lue as their head coach. I think Tyron Lue is one of the best coaches in the NBA. I love how Ty Lue makes adjustments in games and in playoff series. We've seen Tyron Lue make major adjustments for this L.A. Clippers team. So they're going to be contenders in the Western Conference. The Denver Nuggets, they're going to get back Jamal Murray. I love the dynamic duo with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Jokic is fresh off an MVP season. He won back-to-back NBA MVPs. 
So Jokic has emerged as a top 10 player in the NBA. And Jamal Murray, when he gets back to 100%, Jamal Murray can help the Nuggets be contenders in the Western Conference. Before his injury, Jamal Murray was in that same conversation with the Donovan Mitchells of the world and Jalen Browns of the world. He was in that same conversation. In the bubble, Jamal Murray went shot for shot with Donovan Mitchell in that first-round playoff series between the Nuggets and the Jazz. So Jamal Murray, when he's back to 100%, watch out for the Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks. They still got Luka. So we know Luka is a top-five player in the NBA. They got shooters around Luka. And that was why they were so lethal last year in the postseason. You look at the players that the Mavericks have around Luka and their shooters. They got Bertans. They got Reggie Bullock. They got Spencer Dinwiddie. So Luka has shooters around him to be successful and to position this Dallas Mavericks team to be a playoff team. The Memphis Grizzlies, they're going to get back John Morant. They got John Morant. They got Jackson. They got a lot of pieces on this Grizzlies team that can help them win basketball games this year. They got Jaron Jackson. They got Steven Adams. John Morant has emerged as a top 10 point guard in the NBA. They got Desmond Bain. They got Dylan Brooks. I love this Memphis Grizzlies team. They show a lot of grit. And I thought last year, if John Morant didn't get injured in that playoff series against the Golden State Warriors, I believe that series would have went seven games. And we don't know what would have happened. So those are my teams in the Western Conference to look out for. Denver, Memphis, the L.A. Clippers, and the Golden State Warriors. I believe that the Phoenix Suns take a step back. I don't believe they're going to be that good this year. I think they're going to be a playoff team, but I don't believe that the Phoenix Suns are going to be a top three seed in the Western Conference. I love the New Orleans Pelicans. I really, really do. Zion Williamson, if he's available and he's playing, the Pelicans are true contenders in the Western Conference. Yes, I am saying it. The New Orleans Pelicans are true contenders in the Western Conference with Zion Williamson in the lineup. We know a best ability is availability. So, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum is a nice trio for that New Orleans Pelicans basketball team. They are my sleepers in the Western Conference. My Western Conference Finals matchup is the L.A. Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. That's my Western Conference Finals matchup. Let's go to the Eastern Conference. The Boston Celtics, they are the reigning Eastern Conference champions. They still got Jason Tatum. They still got Jalen Brown. And I believe Tatum and Brown is a top five duo in the NBA. They got Grant Williams. They got Al Horford still. They did bring in Malcolm Brogdon, who's going to help them at point guard. I love Marcus Smart. But Marcus Smart is a defensive specialist, and he's not a true point guard. He's still going to get his minutes, but Malcolm Brogdon is going to help this Celtics offense late in games to be where they need to be. That was the problem last year in the playoffs for the Celtics. They had way too many turnovers 
by Tatum and by Brown at key moments. They got Malcolm Brogdon now to help them as a point guard in their offense. Now, I don't like the fact that Ime Udoka is suspended for the season. That's going to hurt this Boston Celtics team. It's going to hurt them because the adjustments that Ime Udoka made throughout the playoff run last year for the Celtics cannot be underestimated. They got Musula in there. Musula is a nice quality head coach. This is his first season being the leading man at head coach. We're going to see what kind of coach Musula is. I like the Celtics to be a top five seed in the Eastern Conference. The Brooklyn Nets, they still got Kyrie Irving. They still got Kevin Durant. Like I said earlier, talking to Brian Snow, the Brooklyn Nets are going to have a better season this year than what they had last year because Kyrie Irving wants to get paid. And I believe Kyrie Irving will play at least 60 games this year. I'm saying it right now tonight on the show. Kyrie Irving is going to play at least 60 games this season. You still got Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is still a top five player in the NBA. They brought in Royce O'Neal. So he's a nice defender for that Nets team. They got Ben Simmons back, which Ben Simmons is going to show up. Ben Simmons hasn't been relevant in the NBA over the last few years. It's time for him to show up. They got Joe Harris, a shooter that can help Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant spread the floor. And they got TJ Warren as well. We know he was great in the bubble for the Indiana Pacers. So they still got Steph Steph Curry as well. He's a nice shooter. So I like the Nets. I think the Nets are going to have a better season again this year than what they had last year. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to be formidable in the Eastern Conference. They're going to get back Chris Middleton at some point this season. They got Giannis, a top three player in the NBA. Giannis was sensational last year for the Milwaukee Bucks. Last year, Giannis averaged 30 points per game on 55% shooting from the floor, 12 rebounds, six assists. Giannis was great last year for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I thought last year Giannis was dominant in the postseason for the Milwaukee Bucks. But again, Chris Middleton's availability and him being in the lineup, that's what's going to depend on how far the, the Milwaukee Bucks go. Their, their season is going to depend on the availability of Chris Middleton. So those are my top teams in the East. The Celtics, the Nets, and the Bucks. Honorable mention, the Miami Heat. I think the Miami Heat, they can ease their way into that conversation. I got to see what James Harden and Joel Embiid do this year. Last year, James Harden was a shell of himself. He was awful last year. So I want to see if the Sixers in the first half of the season can prove me wrong and work their way into being in that conversation with the Celtics, with the Nets, and with the Bucks. But right now, those are my top three teams in the East. Celtics, Bucks, Nets, and my Eastern Conference Finals is the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. That's what I got. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant versus Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for the right to go to the NBA Finals on Thursday's show, or maybe even next Tuesday. I'll give you my NBA Finals prediction. But that's what I got right now. Western Conference, Clippers versus the Warriors. Eastern Conference, 
Nets versus Celtics. Everybody, remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Don't forget, on Thursday, I'm going to preview NFL Week 7. We got a nice matchup Thursday night. We got the New Orleans Saints and the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona, 815 on Amazon Prime Video. So I'm going to preview that game, and I'm going to preview NFL Week 7. I'm Trey Larkins on the Worldwide Sports Network. Go and follow Wise Guys on WiseGuys underscore H and WiseGuys on Twitter and Instagram as well. Have a great night. Chris Mitchell. Uh, Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.